this uh, this morning as we look into the word I want to I just want to encourage you we're going to be looking at uh, Judges chapter 6 will be our primary uh, uh, verse this morning or verses set of verses but we've been on a series called you in five years and uh, we've uh, modified it just a little bit on the subtitle today to be preparing for the near future and I know we've been thinking about uh, uh, just, you know, planning further out, and we should do that, and hopefully this will be a part of you planning further out, but a subtitle of this message is Preparing for the Near Future. We started out a few weeks ago asking ourselves, who do we want to be in five years? <clears throat> and then we asked ourselves, uh, uh, why do we want to change? Why do we want to be different? And then we went on to talk about how that might happen. We talked about step by step. And then last week we talked about from evening to morning. And uh, I, that's still resonating in my heart as to how the uh, Jewish people thought and how God established the timetable to begin in the evening and prepare us. And, you know, as, just as a side note, as I was thinking about that and meditating on that and talking about that to different ones, and all of a sudden it struck me that as, the, as Israel prepared their evening, their day in the evening, uh, one of the reasons that they did that, I'm sure, is because God often spoke to people in dreams and visions in the evening. And so they were preparing their hearts before they went to bed to hear God to start their day. And so I, I just want to encourage you to take that particular teaching. You can see it online. If you want to go back and see it online, you can do that. Um, but it's a powerful concept and a powerful thought starting our day in the evening. Now, as we look to the uh, future, even the near future, uh, I, I thought about, you know, what, should, what things should be priority to us? And, and it's just, uh, obviously, uh, you know, the, the, the near future is still shaky. Obviously, people are still increasing in fear. Uh, and we also see more restrictions coming uh, in, a, in, a, in, in an attempt to deal with this uh, virus, this, uh, uh, <coughs> this uh, <coughs> virus that's going around. Uh, but I wanted to encourage us with two quick thoughts before we jump into the book of Judges. The first one is what we do not want to do is to panic and fear. Panic and fear. And, and that's what we are seeing around us. I was out shopping yesterday uh, at Sam's and I was amazed at the fear that people had. And, and even at one point when I was five and a half feet from somebody instead of six, I was yelled at. So uh, there's definitely that. But we don't want to give in to panic and fear, because both of those will feed your mind, not your spirit. And I think it's important for us to understand that the, the place that we need to be most concerned about connecting with today is not our minds, but our actual spirits, because the Bible says that that's how we connect with God. You're made up of a mind, a will, and emotion, spirit, soul, and body, and it's the spirit that has that literal connection with God. That's why Proverbs probably says, don't lean to your own understanding, but just begin to trust in the Lord with all of your heart. And, and I think most of us realize that panic and fear always cause us to make wrong choices. 
And, and, and I think that's what we're seeing even around us with, uh, you know, more than just getting enough food for yourself. There's been such a hoarding that it's not been distributed among many people. And so uh, it, it, that's what fear and panic does. And if I could just encourage you, maybe you're having anxiety attacks. Maybe you're struggling with panic and, and fear right now. Uh, there's 365 times, at least in the Bible, it says to not fear. And one of the things that I've found in my personal life is that when I, when I have a challenge in a particular area, if I will just go to the Word, go to the Word of Life, and just look it up and find out about it, and it's so easy to do now on, uh, um, uh, on your computers, uh, it's so easy to do. I just find scriptures that speak to the opposite of that, and I begin to read them, and all of a sudden, even as it's called the spirit of fear, it'll just break off of you. Uh, now, that being said, I will also say you're going to have to minimize how much and what media that you're feeding yourself, your mind, every single day. Uh, because you may be adding to your challenge there, because that's going to be feeding really more your mind than your spirit. The second thing that I thought was, what should we not do? What we should not do is to go and hide. Go and hide. The Bible says that we are the light of the world, and we're to be a city set on a hill. Now, I'm not exactly sure, you know, how we can maneuver through this with the uh, with the laws that we have and so forth. But could I just encourage you, be a light from even within your own home if you need to be. And I just tried to find myself yesterday smiling at people when I was out doing what I had to do or needed to do, uh, and, and just saying hi to them, and, and just really trying to relieve the atmosphere of tension that I felt even in the store. And so if I could encourage you, uh, you're a city to be set on a hill. Call your neighbors, call people you know, wave across the street. Don't, don't seclude yourself, uh, don't hide yourself. Now what we want to do this morning is I wanted to look at uh, a uh, chapter in the Bible, and we'll look through most of it this morning. Again, Judges chapter 6. If you want to turn there, but I want to give us a little bit of background. But before I do that, I'd like to just pray. So if you just maybe uh, pause with me here and join me in prayer, uh, let's pray uh, for revelation. God, we thank you for your word. We thank you that it is powerful. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. It, it, it does a work inside of us that only you can do. It, it's going to feed our spirit man this morning. It's going to feed who we really are this morning. And I pray that every one of us, God, would be able to lock into this because there's no bounds to your spirit. There's no bounds to your voice. There's no bounds that can stop the preaching of the gospel and the power that it brings. So, Father, we receive it this morning as the word of God. And we bless you and we thank you. Thank you for every person that's watching this morning, God. And I pray like Paul prayed, that the eyes of our understanding would be completely open. We bless you and we love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Before we look at Gideon and, and, and the book of Judges, we, I want to set just a little bit of the context because what we have here is we have Moses, as you remember, bringing the people out of Egypt. And then that transition from his leadership then went to Joshua, who was to take them into the promised land. And what we find happening there is that um, 
Joshua was uh, winning one victory after the next victory after the next victory. I mean, he's just going for it. He's, he's, he's moving through the promised territory, the things that were, the enemy had planted themselves in, and he's taking the victory. But now he's about to die. He's about to leave, and he's going to pass on the mantle and the leadership uh, to Judah. And I want to read some of his parting words. They're always important, and it's important for us to catch this. I think he may have seen something beginning to develop, and he wanted to address it with the people of God. Listen to this in Joshua chapter 24 and verse 15. Joshua 24 and 15, it says this, And if it seems evil to you to serve the Lord, choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve, whether the gods which your fathers served and that were on the other side of the river, and you know what he's referencing there in Egypt, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. So there was a there was an absolute, we have got to put our face like a flint towards serving the Lord and not serve other gods. And I believe that this is uh, a situation where uh, he saw what was beginning to happen. And he was prophesying to that next generation and to that next leader. And there's, there's, there's something that began to change in the process, and I think we'll see it. Uh, as we begin to go through uh, Judges here in just a moment. But there's two verses found in the book of Judges. One of them is Judges chapter 17 and verse 6. Judges 17 and verse 6. Now listen to it. You shall not at all do as we are doing here today, every man doing whatever is right in his own eyes. So something was changing here. And again in Judges 21, verse 25, it, it, it needed to be repeated again. In those days, there was no king in Israel. Everyone did what was right in his own eyes. It's important for us to uh, begin to uh, get a hold of maybe our posture or our position. You know, if we are positioning ourselves to be the Lone Ranger or, you know, there's so many doctrines and there's so many things that we hear around the earth today, uh, you can turn a channel anywhere and get a gazillion different opinions and so forth uh, on the Bible. But this is what the warning is. Hey, don't do what is right in your own eyes. There's a main line that God has for us, and if we will stay on that, we will be safe and covered. Numbers chapter uh, 15 and 39, uh, Numbers 15 and verse 39 is very telling. It says, remember all the commandments of the Lord and do them that you may not follow the harlotry to which your own heart and your own eyes are inclined. So he's saying you got to be careful. There's something within the, the older nature of man or the, just our, the, the carnal nature that pops up in us that will lead us to uh, lean toward our own understanding and everybody doing the, this, the thing that's right in their own eyes. And I just want to stir your heart up today that as we begin to go through the book of Judges here, I'm going to read through it. I'm going to make a few comments. You should be able to follow along pretty easily, and then I'm going to give us two or three points at the end of it that I think we can take home with us and make a, uh, to help make a difference in our future, and especially our near future in particular. Judges chapter 
6. We'll start with verse 1. Again, I'm going to read through it, and I'm just going to comment as we go, and then I'll give us some points. Number 1, in the first part, which is really what maybe uh, Joshua was seeing before he died, and what he was prophesying and warning them of, it says in verse 1, it says, And then the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord. And so the Lord delivered them into the hand of the Midians for seven years. So in other words, because of the evil that was rising up within them, and we'll see later that it was actually idolatry, because of the evil that was rising up in him, them, it's almost like he was taking his protective covering off of them, which would have left them weaker than the enemies of the Midianites. Verse 2, And the hand of Midian prevailed against Israel. Because of the Midianites, the children of Israel made for themselves dens and caves and strongholds which are in mountains. In other words, they begin to hide. They, they got fearful. They got filled with anxiety. And, and when they heard that uh, the Midianites were going to come, they ran to these caves and hid themselves. So it was, verse 3, Whenever Israel had sown the Midianites had come up also, the Amalekites and the people of the east would come up against them. And then even as I was reading that, I thought, wow, how many times have you sown maybe a seed only to feel like, wow, what happened to it? You know, where's that reap and sow and reap idea? It doesn't seem to be working. Well, maybe there's a clue here that maybe uh, the enemy has a, a doorway or an entrance to come in and destroy the fruit that God has for us. Verse 4, then they would encamp against them and they would destroy the produce of the earth as far as Gaza and leave no sustenance for Israel, neither sheep nor ox nor donkey. For they would come up with their livestock and their tents coming in as numerous as locusts. Both they and their camels were without number and they would enter the land to destroy it. And so what we see now in verse 6 is the result of that. So Israel was greatly impoverished because of the Midianites, and 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 so and, and so the the next thing that we see here in this scripture is that the children of Israel begin now to do what I am going to call us to do at the end of this message, and that is it says that as they became impoverished, as as the enemy was winning, it goes on to say, and the children of Israel cried out to the Lord. They finally come to the point, unfortunately, they didn't listen to Joshua, they didn't listen to the prophets, and they came to the point where now they're crying out to the Lord. In verse 7, and it came to pass that when the children of Israel cried out to the Lord because of the Midianites, that the Lord sent a prophet to the children of Israel who said to them, now listen to this, thus says the Lord God of Israel, I brought you from Egypt, and I brought you out of the house of bondage. And I delivered you out of the hand of the Egyptians and out of the hands of all who oppressed you. And I drove them out before you and I gave you their land. And so we see that, that, that God's now trying to remind them of all that they had been to. They brought them out of Egypt and, 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 and through Joshua he was giving them back the land and giving them back their inheritance. And in verse 10 he goes on, also, I said to you, I am the Lord your God. Do not fear the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell, but you have not obeyed my voice. And so what we see here is a, 
uh, Israel taking the posture again. And unfortunately, it became a very repeated posture that uh, God would bless, and then they would forget God. And not only would they forget God, once they forgot God, then they would begin to turn to the idols around them. Verse 11, and they would quit hearing his voice and obeying his voice. Verse 11, now the angel of the Lord came and sat under the terebinth tree, uh, which was in Ophrah, which belonged to Joash the Abizrite, while his son Gideon thrust wheat in the winepress in order to hide it from the Midianites. And I, I, I want to just say this, um, there was two, uh, two things that were done. One was with grapes where they had the wine press, which was down lower. Uh, it was kind of a V-shape with a drain down the middle, and they would, they would crush out the grapes, and the, and the juice and the wine would flow down to the middle, and it would flow out. But when they did wheat, they always did it up on the mountains where the wind would blow, because they'd thrash it out, if you know, and, and, and all the chaff would just simply blow away and make it easy then to collect the wheat back up. But here we have Gideon down hiding in fear, hiding down in the wine press and trying to stamp out the wheat. And, 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 and you can only imagine doing it in a wine press, how much harder it must have been for them to do that because they had to do the separating themselves. And so this is kind of the picture we have now. But it says, now the angel of the Lord came to him. And look at what the angel of the Lord said. And the angel of the Lord in verse 12 appeared to him and said to him, the Lord is with you, you mighty man of valor. And I can only imagine, you know, let's just be human like he is. Uh, you're down there in this wine press trying to do this wheat thing. It's at an angle. It's, 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 it's probably filled, you know, with leftover grape juice, and there's no wind, and, and you're working your tail off to do what you know could be done easier if you weren't afraid, if you weren't hiding. And here the Lord comes and says, man, you're a mighty man of valor. You're a mighty man of valor. And, and again, I think as we look at the church today, are we positioning ourselves to be that or are we succumbing and hiding and drawing back from the culture that seems to be enveloping us? And that culture is not a Christ culture. It's really what, what you, you want to wonder about the Antichrist. It's an Antichrist culture that's rising up around us. And we just need to recognize that, be real with it, and also realize that, you know, are we hiding? If we are, it's time to come out. That's what the Lord's calling us out to be. Verse 13, And Gideon said to him, O my Lord, if the Lord is with us, why then has all of this happened to us? And where are all of his miracles which our father told us about, saying, Did not the Lord bring us up out of Egypt? And now the Lord has forsaken and delivered us in the hands of the Midianites. I, I, I just, I'll talk about this in a minute, but it's just amazing how we can come back to the Lord and maybe even try to blame Him. And maybe you've struggled with some hardship, and maybe you've had some challenges that didn't go the way you wanted it to, and maybe you're looking at God today too saying, God, why? Why and where are the miracles? And, and I hope today, by the end of the day, that you'll recognize what we can do to turn that around and to change that, and also to realize that it really wasn't the Lord after all. We serve a good, loving Father who's out to see your success. He's out to see uh, your life uh, be what Jesus said about giving us an abundant life. He's not out to destroy you. 
verse 14, and then the Lord turned to him and said, go in this might of yours and you shall save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. Have I not sent you? Have I given you the prophetic word? I've already called you to do this. I've given you the promise, and even the promise is going way back to his, the forefather, the father of faith, Abraham. Haven't I given you that promise? And so he said to them, O Lord, listen to his response, because this is sometimes where we stand. So he's, because we have promises right here about the victory. We sang about the victory this morning. We have promises about the victory. There's so much in here about you being the head and not the tail and the victorious one and how we get the victory and, and that we're not going to lose this battle. And, 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 and yet we sit back sometimes and we respond uh, just like this. And so he said to him, oh my Lord, how can I save Israel? Indeed, my clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my father's house. Wow, what a comment. You're having an encounter with God himself, and, and you're still coming to him with this. And, and it's just where he was at. He was being honest, but it's just not where he was positioned to be. In verse 16, and the Lord said to him, surely I will be with you, and you shall defeat the Midianites as one man. So he's bringing back the prophetic word again to him, the prophetic promise to him that even uh, uh, was spoken before. And so, so now we drop down to this verse 22 uh, and listen to what it says. Now Gideon perceived that he was the angel of the Lord. And so Gideon said, alas, O Lord God, for I have seen the angel of the Lord face to face. Man, when I read that as I was reading that, you know what I got? I got like all of a sudden, now maybe it was a setting where uh, Gideon maybe being newer, you know, his father was godly most of his life. His father fell off at the end, but for most of his life he would have experienced uh, his, uh, a godly upbringing, a godly house, but now all of a sudden he's coming into a face-to-face -face personal experience with his, with his God. It's a, whoa, alas, wow, I, I've heard about this, I've, I've read about this, and, and now I am seeing this. And we've seen that a number of times in Scripture. We saw it with uh, Jacob when he was, you know, uh, wrestling with the Lord, and all of a sudden he's, he proclaims, wow, this is God. And I, if I could just challenge us up, maybe you've never had that experience. Maybe it's always been just a distant, you know, I believe the word, it feels right, it seems right, but I've never had this personal encounter where I personally say, wow, wow, I have seen the angel of the Lord face to face. And oftentimes in the Old Testament, when it talks about the angel of the Lord, it's actually talking about a, 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 a representation of Jesus pre-incarnate. And so, so oftentimes that's what it is. And so I believe that's what he's referring to. And then the Lord goes on in verse 23 and says this. Then the Lord said to him, and this is important, peace be with you. Do not fear, you shall not die. So Gideon built an altar there and the Lord called it, uh, the Lord is peace. The Lord is peace. Wow. What, an, uh, what happens when we step into an encounter with God? It's no longer just a church experience. It's no longer even a basic salvation experience. 
but I'm going further with this. I'm literally coming into the place where I'm hearing God. I'm responding God. He's speaking peace into me. He's speaking courage into me. He's speaking my life into me. He's speaking my destiny into my very life, my very being, the very thing that I might reject if I don't have an encounter with him. And I hope that as we're done with this message that you will be stirred up to cry out to God for a similar experience that he had, keeping in mind he was a man of like nature, just like us. Just like us. He isn't just this, uh, this fantasy Bible character that you heard about in Sunday school. But it's literally, he's just like us. And so, as we do that. So, let me go through just a few things that I've drawn out of this particular portion of Scripture. And hopefully, when we're done, you can add to it. Number one, uh, I think it's important for us to expect to hear from God. To expect to hear God's voice. As I just said a moment ago, I think Gideon was familiar with God, but all of a sudden it was like, wow, this is God. I'm encountering him. And, and, and so as I, as I thought about that, I thought, you know, uh, how do we hear from God? And let me just give you several ways to, to consider. The first one is Scripture, obviously Scripture. You go there, it'll give you the foundation for everything else you hear or dream. Second way is through dreams. They still happen. People still have dreams. You can still have dreams. What about visions? You can have visions. Maybe they're day visions. Maybe they're night visions. Uh, what about the Holy Spirit? Just the Holy Spirit just downloading into you. You connect with Him on a regular basis and you hear the Holy Spirit. And then what about prophetic people? There's prophets in the land and, 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 and they're even speaking life into the church today. And we're hearing that, and we've heard many prophetic words, even lately, just about just uh, you know staying focused, don't lose focus. I, I know recently, just some very well-known prophetic people, some in our church and some out, are saying, "Hey, there's it's time to be prepared. It's time to prepare, prepare, prepare." Potentially, in the midst of this outbreak of of coronavirus, there's going to be a revival that springs out of it. How many want to believe for that? And take what the enemy means for evil and allow the Holy Spirit to turn it to complete good. And just to begin to believe God. But we've got to understand, we've got to hear from God. I wrote this down as I was pondering this particular point. Your expectations, okay, what you think about, what your expectations is, turn into vision, which turns into prayer, which turns into results. Your expectations, in other words, I'm beginning to stir my heart up by what I'm reading here, what I'm learning here in the Bible, my expectations turn into vision. Now I'm beginning to see things myself. I'm seeing it through the, uh, uh, the, the, through the Scriptures first, but as I'm seeing it, the Holy Spirit's beginning to speak to my own personal life through it, and then from there, that vision then turns into prayer. Prayer changes things. Prayer is what's going to make the difference in all of our lives in five years. It's going to make the difference in our lives. It turns to prayer, but then what we're going to see is that it also turns into results. And as we see this happen in Gideon's life, he completely turned the picture around for the next 40 years because he was faithful and dedicated to do what God was calling him to do. So I just want to just briefly ask you uh, about your secret place. Where's the place that you meet with God? Because that's one of the things we'll see in a moment that he did do. He pulled aside after his encounter with God. He immediately went and built his own altar. 
And he began to remove the idols, but he had to build his altar. And that altar represents the meeting place of God. It always has throughout Scripture. And so I want to just ask you, uh, where is your altar? Where is your meeting place and your sanctuary? If I could just be open, mine is downstairs. It's really early in the morning. Nobody else is awake, which is nice. And there's a little chair I have here in the corner of my family room. And I sit there, and it's just like that's where I meet with God. There in the coffee pot, of course. He's, they're closely connected. But it's, it's just that place that I've established that every day that's the first thing I'm going to do is to go meet with God. And I have found through the years, I've had different places like that where we've lived or where, where I've worked, where I establish a place where I go there every single time. And I don't know what there is about that, but if I could just challenge you up in it, you will meet with God. You'll meet with God, and He will begin to meet with you in a unique way, just simply. Even if for 15 minutes, just go sit in that chair, sit on that floor, sit on that pillow, and I don't suggest the bed, because <laughs> you know what will happen there. Uh, it's a nice attempt, but you may not succeed. You need to get up and, uh, and, and, and do it. But listen to Psalms 40. I waited patiently for the Lord to help me, and, and, and He turned me, and He heard my cry. He lifted me out of the pit of despair. In other words, I'm in despair when? When I'm visionless, when I have no vision. He lifted me out of that, out of the mud and the mire. He says, he goes on to say, and as I read that, I thought, man, that's just like feeling stuck. You're in mud, you're in mire. But he's lifting me. He set my feet on solid ground, and, and he steadied me as I walked along. I, I just think that's so special. I just thought, I envisioned just helping my kids learn how to walk. This is what God does for us. He just takes us along. And he gives me a new song to sing, a hymn of praise to our God. In other words, I'm coming back with fresh expectation. You know, I'm singing, what has the Lord, look what the Lord has done, and what does he want to do, and something's stirring up. There's a new song that's rising up inside of me that I begin to sing myself. And, uh, you know, it may not, nobody else may, uh, you know, may Google it, or it may not make it on the big, uh, the big table, but... It means something to me. It says, many will see what he has done and be amazed, and they will put their trust in the Lord. Oh, the joys of those who trust the Lord, who have no confidence in the proud of, or, or in those who worship idols. Wow, we've changed our direction. The second thing that I see in this particular set of passages is that uh, to, for us to expect a, a personal challenge in it. He came to Gideon, and the first thing he did is he, he called him out to do what he was supposed to do. He called him out to what he was. First he said, hey, you're a mighty man of valor. He addressed his identity, who he was, who he is. And most of us have, a, have always had a beaten down identity just by how we've grown up, how we were raised. It's just like we were beat down. And so we kind of walk around with a limp, or we walk around uh, with, with, with really uh, a low self-esteem. But he's coming to Gideon now, and I'm sure he did have a low self-esteem. He was a mighty man of a warrior. He went out and fulfilled the will of God, but at the moment he was hiding in the wine press. And you can just imagine how you would feel. And I just want to encourage 
encourage you, no matter who you are, no matter what you've accomplished, no matter what you feel about yourself, if you'll capture the vision that God has for your life, you will be absolutely amazed at what he will do and how he will use your life. He's not looking, he even says that. He says, I'm not looking for many mighty and strong and wise and noble. I am looking for those who will follow me and be obedient to me. It's an amazing thing. The third thing is that we have to learn how to reject those personal excuses. Remember what Gideon said. He said, oh, I'm the, 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 the weakest. We're the weakest of all the tribes. We're the smallest and the weakest. And then he goes on and he attacks himself again. And I am the least around here. And, and so I, I just see in that, I think, wow, you know, I've felt that way before. I'm sure many of you have. It's just like, wow, we just feel like less than who we are with the help of God. And this is what we have to see. With the help of God, we can really do all things through Christ. But we, if, we, if we step back and we say, oh, I'm just the least or I'm less, I think what you'll find yourself doing is drawing back and not really even hearing what God's trying to ask you to do because you're, 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 you've made it so small, you've just come up with it. The fourth thing that I think that we glean out of this particular thing is I need to be willing to intercede uh, for those who are far from God. And I like that about, uh, about Gideon because once he reestablished the altar of God, he then went back to the people of God. And he began to do it for the people. It wasn't just about him. And even in Numbers uh, chapter 16, if you want to just write this down and look at it later, and in Numbers 16 verses 45 to 50, it's just a dramatic story uh, uh, of, of an interceding for people that are far from God. Moses and Aaron are doing this. They actually step in the middle between God and his desire to destroy Israel. And it was like they just stepped right in the middle of it and said, nope, we're not going to do that. We're going to stand in the gap. And I'm just thinking today, you know, God, help us to be that people. Help us to be that bold that we're not sitting back criticizing people and being mad at people. And, but, 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 but we're interceding, and we have an opportunity to do this, to intercede for the people around us and around our world. Intercession will always lead us to action and results. We just go on here uh, to the fifth point. Be willing to cry out to the Lord. This is a repeated theme throughout Scripture. And uh, I, I just want to ask you, are you still whispering your prayers? <laughs> Can I just tell you today, this is especially today, you should not be whispering your prayers. You should be crying out to God. We see the results of that over and over. There's a desperation. It's time to break the inertia of prayer. It's time for us to begin to get back into our prayers in a fervent way. The Bible says the kingdom of God suffers violent and the, and, and, and the violent take it by force. In other words, he's asking us, his church, don't just relax back. Don't just hide. Don't just comfort yourself through all of this. But let's cry out to God and let's make a, let's make a difference. Let's make a change in what's going to happen around here. Let's believe what the prophets have said about the fact that, hey, this virus will end soon and a revival will be following it. I, I just want to stand and believe that. I want to position myself, which means now I've got to really cry out to God because how else is it going to happen without the help of God? He's here to help us, and he wants revival. He doesn't want people killed and so forth. He wants revival. And, then, and so if I could just challenge your prayer life up, however it is, just stop whispering to God. 
get yourself in your basement or in your car or somewhere and cry out to God like we've never cried out before. I believe you will have an encounter with him. I believe he will come to you and, and, and he will speak more to you and even give your prayers direction that they need. We need the direction of the Lord for our prayers. It's an exciting thing. And then the last point, just as I close this morning, is are you prepared? Are you prepared? There's some prophetic people in our church that have been emailing about the fact that we really need to prepare, prepare, prepare. And I just want to say that I would agree with that 100%. And I want us to start maybe with some baby steps of being prepared for a harvest, being prepared for a harvest. The best thing uh, that we could possibly do is to be ready to mentor new believers. And I know many people, as we wrap up this morning, many people uh, are scared to death of that. They, they feel like they are not able. They can't do it. They can't quite mentor somebody. Uh, but I, I, I believe that it's time for us, and we're going to be sending out some small material for you as an individual in this church to have so that it will make it very easy, if you just study it a little bit, make it very easy to mentor someone, to take somebody uh, from a point of being far from God into a fully vibrant relationship with their living God. How exciting is that going to be? But I believe when that harvest comes, you know, when we talk about even fishing, the, a net is the best way to do that. And a net is made up with a lot of people entwined together so that they can capture the harvest as it comes in. And if we will prepare ourselves, if we will establish ourselves and set ourselves to do that, and, I, and I'm speaking to every one of us now, and that means I just got to begin to get, uh, get, uh, get myself in order as we've been talking about me in five years what am I going to look like uh, I need to uh, prepare even for this near future by all of us coming together and beginning to cry out to God and, and, and maybe let him speak to your heart and who you are as a person uh, the, the Bible does say this statement he says the righteous which we are in Christ and we may have to make some adjustments Okay? We may still be living in some areas of sin. And I like as Patricia was saying about the communion. Let's just get ourselves taken care of. Let's just deal with it. Let's just ask God to help us deal with it. But the righteous are to be bold as a lion. You should be courageous. You should want to, to run into battle. You, might, you should want to run into people's lives and just share the goodness of God. I'm not talking about attacking them, okay? I'm just talking about just going and not being afraid to go approach people and just talk to them about the love of Jesus Christ and, and, and about how they can be near to God also in the process of that. And again, we'll send out some materials and uh, and, and, and they will be a big benefit to you if you just begin to look at them and maybe study them a little bit, study to show yourself approved, a good workman that wouldn't be ashamed. He's going to need a lot of people. And this is the time and this is the season. Let's prepare ourselves and let's be ready. Let's go ahead and just close your Bibles for just a moment and... Let me close with this. We, uh, we sang the blessing song in closing last week, and I thought that was very powerful, very powerful. It really ministered to me and still is. It's zooming around the world.
But this song came to me this morning, and I want to just read some of the verses of it. And it's so very familiar, but it's so true still. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. On Christ the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand. All other ground is sinking sand. When darkness seems to hide his face, I rest in his unchanging grace. In every high and stormy gale, my anchor holds within the veil. O Christ, on Christ the solid rock I stand, all other is sinking sand. His oath, his covenant, his blood support me in the whelming flood. When all around my soul gives way, he then is my all. Let's just pray. If you're maybe far from the Lord this morning, you're watching, you kind of got onto it and you're watching and you're just far from the Lord. You wouldn't say you had that experience like Gideon had that all of a sudden, boom, it's just an excitement took place inside of his heart. Can I just invite you to do that this morning? The Bible says that he so loved you that he gave his son. And he just says, hey, if you'll believe on him, that he died for your sins and that he rose from the dead, <laughs> that you could be then saved. And he just says, believe that in your heart and confess it with your mouth. And as I pray right now for you, would you just maybe say that prayer to him if you haven't yet, or maybe if you've just been distant from him and you're not seeing this experience and hearing his voice and getting maybe visions and dreams, maybe you could just this morning, as I pray, ask him to uh, touch you this morning. Father, we thank you today. Uh, there's no bounds uh, for you. You don't hold anything against us. When we cry out to you, you always come. And you've done it for uh, thousands of years now, and you're not going to stop. And I pray for every person that's listening right now. If, they, if there's a void in their heart, they've never really come close to you and experienced that new life that you give and offer for, so freely, that this morning would be the day. And I, I pray for others that are maybe just been trying to live life and just survive and hang on and so forth. Father, I believe you want to turn <laughs> their situation around in a miraculous way. And this is the day, this is the time. And so, God, we just uh, commit to you these requests this morning. And I just believe you're going to do something mighty in them in Jesus' name.